This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We'll recap last night, preview tonight, coming up in a bit. But I've gotten so much feedback from a lot of the fans of Game Misconduct wanting to learn a little bit more about what has been a very interesting roller coaster season for the Washington Capitals. So, my capital go-to guy forever has been John Walton, their play-by-play voice on the radio side, and he joins us here on Game Misconduct to try to connect the dots on this Capitals team. How are you, man? Well, I'm pretty good, Don. Thanks for having me, and I think we're still trying to connect some dots here, so uh, we'll do the best we can to uh, fill your listeners in on what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, this is such a... Uh, I would usually say, because when I followed the Devils when I was younger, sometimes I said, you know what, don't... Don't be the number one seed. Have an average regular season and sneak up on people rather than having the pressure of being the team to beat. And so when I watched the Washington Capitals struggle a bit, I thought to myself, all right, good. Let them fly into the radar and they maybe stomp uh, some people in the playoffs. But, John, the unfortunate thing with this Metropolitan Division, if if you screw around too long, you might not make the playoffs. So how how disconcerting has this up-and-down season been? And, and do you think overall – They'll be okay. Well, there's a lot of layers to it. And I think the first layer was probably going back to game seven in the second round last year when you get beat by Pittsburgh again. And everyone knew from Brian McClellan saying it publicly to players, coaching staff, fans, this was a two-year window. And then what came after that was a bit of a gray area. And the departure of Kevin Shattenkirk to the Rangers, Carl Alsner to Montreal, Nate Schmidt to Vegas. The defensive core took a beating in the offseason. And by signing core guys for the first time beyond Alex Ovechkin and beyond Nicholas Backstrom, uh, with Kuznetsov signing long-term, with Oshie signing long-term, this team was still a cap team. So you didn't have a lot of money left over to fortify the defense, and the Caps were forced to do something in the fall uh, and back in training camp for the first time in a long time. They had to develop some guys from within, and they had to be able to uh, have guys come up from Hershey who they were really banking on taking a lot of minutes that were being eaten up by other guys in the last few seasons. And that's gone fairly well. Uh, it didn't at first. There have been some growing pains. Uh, Madison Bowie came up and has made his NHL debut in an 8-2 loss to the Flyers last month. That wasn't great. Uh, and the Caps seemingly couldn't put two games together that they felt good about. And only recently, uh, have, as have they gotten into the second quarter of the season, in fact, I asked Barry Trotz on our pregame show uh, about that very thing. That, you know, you get through the first quarter of the season, you know, 30,000-foot view, what do you think? And said, you know what, I mean, it's about what they expected, but with the thought that, hey, this division is still close, we didn't really lose a lot of ground. The Rangers know that just as well as the Capitals do, get off to right. a bad start, but, you know, didn't really have to rally too much because mm-hmm. it was so tightly compact. The Caps, hopefully, are in that same boat, a little behind the curve from the Rangers, uh, as they've just recently in the last week started to pick it up, but uh, defense uh, has been an issue, finding line combinations at work. The one thing that's been very good is Braden Holtby. Uh, and that's no surprise, but uh, finding uh, defensive guys to grow and finding offensive uh, weapons that mesh well together, uh, that's been a little bit more problematic. And you mentioned the loss of three defensemen. Well, Shattenkirk was a late addition, and you guys were fine before you acquired Shattenkirk. So, Olsner and Schmidt, let's focus on Olsner. Was he uh, as devastating a loss as it appears? 
you know what? I think Nate Schmidt actually was, and that may sound a okay. strange. It would have sounded very strange in September, maybe not so much now with what Vegas is doing. Uh, but he was the one guy who had very good wheels back there, and he really came into his own during the postseason, especially in the Toronto series last spring. And losing him hurt. Uh, I think Alsner hurt because he lost so many minutes, but I think he also – in terms of foot speed, you know, the game is changing. And when Montreal changed, you know, decided to sign him, you know, I know he's had his struggles there. It doesn't change the fact that he was a big part of this team in the past. I, I think they probably made the right decision on Carl, even though he's a wonderful guy in the room. And certainly from a media standpoint, he's what we all dream for to be able to talk to and, you know, things are good and things aren't. But uh, Nate Schmidt hurt a ton, and that made him slower on the back end. They had to bring along – Christian Juice and Madison Bowie. And then when Matt Niskanen got hurt and was out for a few weeks, he got hurt in the Devils game on October 13th in Newark. That made things a lot harder. And I think that's where, you know, when people were looking at what the Cats were doing, they were losing more than they were winning. Uh, Matt Niskanen are the worst of it when they lost in Nashville and got smoked in Denver. Uh, Niskanen was just right. coming back from injury and trying to find his footing. He's better now, and the decor is better now, but uh, they still have, uh, they still probably have uh, a ways to go. They, they've righted the ship, but, uh, you know, they still have probably, uh, it's a work in progress. I think that's probably the way it's going to be for a while. Talking to John Walton, play by play voice of the Washington Capitals, uh, their next game coming up against. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings, and they're 14-10-1. They've won three in a row, so they've gotten a little distance between 500 and where they are now. Let's talk about some of the positives. And, of course, uh, Kuznetsov, I think, has been somebody that's really grown into a legitimate star. What's his ceiling, John? Well, he's still got room to grow. Uh, and I think the the knock on Evgeny's game, uh, he, he's tremendous with a puck. I don't. There's no better puck handler in the Washington lineup as a forward or probably anyone that, than he is, uh, whether it's Barry Trotz, whether it's uh, media, whether it's fans. I think everyone would like to see Evgeny shoot the puck more. He's certainly capable of it, but he passes up too many shots that he probably should be taking. He's the kind of guy that if he if he puts his complete game together, his skill set has – I mean, he should be – a 100-point guy a season. Uh, he led the team two years ago with 77 points. He got off, he had a, a, a really awful postseason that year uh, and then got off to a very bad start last year, started to pick it up around Christmas and ended up with a pretty good campaign. But, you know, he shouldn't be a 10-15 goal guy, 20-goal guy. He could be a 30-goal guy if he – can shoot the puck more and you know early on he was playing with Alex Ovechkin and you know there are only so many pucks you can fire on net when Alex is on your line but uh, you know now that the change has been made where Backstrom is back with Alex and TJ Oshie and Evgeny are there I mean in theory for what this team is right now you know Ovechkin doesn't have nearly as many years left uh, and Backstrom either as Oshie and Kuznetsov now have on their deal. So you could look at the second line for this team and say, all right, that's the future. And, you know, the president is still, you know, the guy that's pushing 600 goals up front and Nick Backstrom, who's been one of the better playmakers in Caps history, but preparing for what's next. If Genny can be that guy, I, I think that he will be that guy. Uh, but he's still uh, learning a little bit to grow his game and know that, you know, sometimes when there's a shot to be had, you've got to take it. And, and I think that's probably the one knock on his game right now. You know, when we get to the tweets a, a, a little bit later on in the podcast, uh, John, someone is going to ask me about the best player in the history of the NHL not to win a Stanley Cup. And Alex has to be the guy, right? I mean, this is going to go down as one of the great goal scorers in the history of this sport. And 
he hasn't been able to get that cup, hasn't been able to get to the conference final. He's got 18 goals this year. He's Again, he's just been so special. But how much of that is an albatross around his neck? How much is that a part of the conversation of this great Hall of Fame player and still trying to get that elusive ring? It has to be part of the conversation. And I think that when you look at Game 7 last year, I think the most disheartening part about all of that Uh, when you knew the two-year window was there, when you spent an entire year from losing to the Penguins the year before and trying to force a Game 7, now you have that Game 7 and you have it in your building, and there was no better time, Uh, and it slipped through their fingers. Uh, And that, you know, when you're 32 and you're a goal scorer, I mean, you think about a guy like Brett Hall and the goals that he was putting up in his 20s, and by the time he got to his 30s, uh, there's there's always a tail off, right. right? I mean, no matter who they are. Uh, the amazing part about Alex is everyone was tossing that around this summer. And you know what? I I think everyone, even in the Washington media, thought it too. You know, you, your goal production was way down. You're going to be 32. You know, what's a reasonable goal for Alex Ovechkin this year? And I think everybody said, okay, you know what? If he gets to 40, that's a pretty good season. It's a great season, but for him, for where he's been, I mean, it would be a nice bounce back Unbelievably, he's on pace for 60 right now uh, with another hat trick. He has three of them this year. That's tied for the most he's ever had in a single season, and we're still just now getting to December 1st. So he has had a habit of proving everyone wrong in the end. Uh, He's had many detractors and doubters along the way. But to your point, uh, until – uh, he, it, and maybe it's a year like San Jose had a few years ago when they got to the final after retooling in the off season and they sold off some parts and it's like, well, we'll see what San Jose has. And then lo and behold, they're playing in June. I think that's the hope in this, in these parts that everything meshes together. And it's like you said, I think you're exactly right. When you talk about, you know, finishing first, I mean, I think this team with back-to-back president's trophies, they went into each postseason the last two years with all the pressure in the world. And now that pressure is not there. People are talking about Columbus. People are talking about Pittsburgh. People are talking about Tampa Bay. Yeah. People are talking about Toronto. No one is talking about Washington right now because of where they are, because of who they lost. Uh, yet this team still has a very good core. And, you know, with without that spotlight, and if they finish third or fourth in the Metro and they're going to face the Rangers in the first round or they're facing – uh, even like a Tampa Bay and a crossover situation, I think they might be better off just because, okay, you know what? We're playing with house money. Let's go do this thing and see what happens. You know, John, I've brought it up a few times, and you're a lot closer to it than I am, and I don't even know it's, if it's even feasible. But I'm, I'm going to ask it to you this way in the sense of would they be open to it? You know, when I look at a player as great as Ovechkin is and they just can't seem to get over the hump, if, if they were ever presented with a Herschel Walker-type deal, to part with Ovechkin, to rebuild, would they even think of addressing it, or would they just, he's too important to the franchise, he's the face of the franchise, they still sell out because people want to see him, would they ever even consider, if if it would, were to work out, of parting ways with Alex? It's an intriguing idea when you phrase it that way. Uh, having someone who grew up in Minnesota, <laughs> like myself, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to, to, be able to, uh, to be able to do that, uh, the impact that Alex has had in Washington and, you know, as a hockey market, uh, this is not an original six team. This is a team that hasn't won. Uh, this is a team that as recently as 15 years ago, there were a decent amount of empty seats here. Alex Ovechkin changed hockey in Washington forever and for the better. And that 
is something that is very difficult to weigh in that equation. And I mean that because there are triple the amount of high school hockey teams in Northern Virginia and in Maryland and in D.C. than there used to be. There, the interest in the game around here is as good as it's ever been, and it has been a sustain going back to Bruce Boudreaux starting to coach here uh, up until now. This team can now survive a, a, a season and not making the playoffs like they did a couple of years ago. And the interest is still there, and the fans are still coming. And it's it, it may not be exactly like New York or Philadelphia, but it's it's pretty close. And in a big market like this, in a big international city like this, uh, you get interest from a lot of different areas. There is going to come a point, and this is why I think when you, the way that you phrase it is, I, I think, perfect, because there has to be a plan for what comes next. Alex isn't going to play till he's 50. So how do you continue to grow the game? And balance that in the meantime, if you trade him at 32 and you did it without a cup, uh, you know, that's different than maybe at 35 at the end of a contract and say, you know, we gave it our best chance here, but it's time to move on to the Oshis because that's awesome. and whatever else comes next. Uh, is it possible? Sure. Uh, I think it unlikely, but I think that a lot of that has to do with what he's done for this city and, and this team and this franchise and this area when it comes to hockey. Uh, there, are, this is, you know, I, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, a couple of Redskins players are wearing Ovechkin jerseys in on Thanksgiving night, uh, FedEx. And, right. You know, I mean, they, they, they really do capture Bryce Harper and the Nats during the postseason. I mean, they came over as a team one night when they were off two years ago. I mean, there really is a lot of interest locally in, in hockey, and that may not have been the case 15 years ago. So it's a difficult question to answer, but I think from a hockey op standpoint, I think you you look at the black and white of it and you say, well, you know, you've got to do what's best for the franchise. So I think you probably listen to, you know, what's out there. And the only thing, because, you know, I do a general sports show and I follow all the sports and it's just so interesting that I don't know if there's really ever been maybe a Chris Paul in the NBA where you are considered one of the greats of the game and not even make it out of the second round. And, and no one's blaming him, John, but it's just it's such a strange set of circumstances, right? If you go through the list of the great players in the sport, they've all won cups or at least been on the verge of winning a cup. So it's just, it's just strange. It's, it's hard to compare it to really anything else in sports. It is. Uh, and I, I think that the, the question, you know, it's... <laughs> The, the, the history of the Capitals long before Alex Ovechkin came along, it's, it has been a tortured history. There is no getting away from that. Uh, going back to 1987 and, and, and the Islanders and Pat LaFontaine in four overtimes and all the way forward, they had never played in a Game 7 before that. Uh, game 7s are four-letter words around here and not in a good way. Right. Uh, go through the course of history and you know there's this city as a whole and and i don't know unless you live in dc and and new york has been blessed to have a lot of winners even relatively recently uh there are uh, going back to 1992 uh this city is still waiting and every time i think what makes it so awful (laughs) as a sports fan uh, the Nats have done the same thing where you get into the first round and they can't find a way despite, you know, you've got a, you know, two guys who are up for the Cy Young and you didn't get out of the first round. And there, there is an right. expectation among D.C. sports fans. They are not glass half full or glass half empty people. They are the glass is going to fall off the table, shatter and break our hearts. And that's it's almost like an exorcism that needs to be performed. One team is going to break through one of these days. It might be the Caps, the Nats, the Redskins, I don't know. But that 
the sooner that that happens, I think when this city starts to feel a little better, it's tough to go 25 years. There's a whole generation of kids who have grown up and are now young adults who have never seen a D.C. team win. Uh, that th- there is a mental, and you talk about game seven and expectations and president's trophy, like we did at the very beginning, you know, that's tougher. That's tougher in this city than maybe any other, because, oh boy, here we go again. The Nats have, they right. won the NL East, the Caps win the president's trophy, but then they always expect something bad happen. And lo and behold, it does. So uh, hopefully uh, one of these days uh, when that breaks through, uh, there are going to be a lot of happy people in this city <laughs> that have been waiting to let go for 25 years. But, you know, for Ovechkin and the rest, I mean, I, you can put Bryce Harper in the same boat, too, for now. Uh, you know, as young as he is, uh, you know, that expectation is tough to deal with. John, you're one of the best at what you do, and I'm hoping to see you down the road, man. Thanks so much. No, I love it, John. Great to talk with you. All right, that's John Walton, radio play-by-play voice of the Washington Capitals. And he made some really great points just about the city. I mean, they haven't won a championship since that last Super Bowl with the Redskins. Nationals underachieving in the postseason, losing in elimination games. Capitals, the same thing. Regularly the best team in the regular season, haven't been able to get out of the second round. But we've talked about it a lot on game misconduct. When you have that kind of crown jewel in Alexander Ovechkin, what could that get you in a trade? How it can just change the whole dynamic of your franchise. But he also makes a very good point. He is Washington hockey. I went to games uh, in Washington before Alexander Ovechkin had gotten there, and the building was half full, and there was a lack of interest in the team, making that transition to the team that went to the Stanley Cup final in 1998 until Ovechkin got there in 2004. And and it's really blossomed into the place to be when the, when the Capitals are there. They've become one of the major franchises in the sport, playing in winter classics, playing on national television. That's because of Alexander Ovechkin. And if you were to lose that, would the Capitals then become irrelevant? Even if it made the franchise better until they were able to win that elusive Stanley Cup when the face would walk out the door It might be difficult to do, but at some point they're going to have to worry about life after Ovechkin. He's 32 years old, and he could play for another 10 years. Look at what uh, Yarmir Yager's been able to do, but how long can he do it at this kind of elite level? Even at 32 now with his 18 goals on pace for 60, it's been kind of a surprise, but over the next few years you're going to see that production go down, and with him scoring 60 goals, they haven't been able to win the Stanley Cup. So what's going to happen if he becomes a a 25-30 goal scorer? What's going to happen when he just becomes a compiler at the end of his career so sometimes striking where the iron is hot can be good for the franchise overall but like he said this is not new york it's not philadelphia it's not a canadian franchise where you know no matter what the situation is going to be you're going to fill your building i don't know if the washington capitals have an appetite to go back to that kind of just non-hockey market irrelevant period of time and you might do that if you trade novechkin away and do not win Right away. Uh, let's go over the games from last night. I wanted to get John on, and I've, I've been meaning to get him on for a while now. The Capitals have kind of turned it around, but you can see that there is a, a certain level of concern. Uh, there were five games last night. Uh, Florida beat the Devils 3-2. Florida's going to be at Madison Square Garden coming up tonight. Roberto Luongo becomes just the second goaltender in the history of the NHL 
to compile 200 wins with two different franchises. Of course, he won 200 with Vancouver, has won 200 with the um, Florida Panthers, and of course has won 459 games in his National Hockey League career. So at the age of 38, I think there's still an outside possibility of him becoming just the third goaltender in the history of the NHL to win 500 games. And I thought he was really good last night. I thought the Devils played very poorly, got a couple of goals in the third period to tie it. Um, but uh, overall, they got off to a slow start, never got going, uh, grossly outshot in the first period as the Devils lose just their second game in regulation at home this year. Uh, Montreal has won a couple of games in a row. They end the uh, Bla- uh, the Blue Jackets winning streak uh, as that ends at 6, as the Canadians win 3-1. to one. So Carey Price comes back from his injury, shuts out the Buffalo Sabres, and gives up just one goal against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So... Maybe this can be the turnaround for the Canadians. Maybe Carey Price can kind of send them back to relevancy, but that's a big win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Another loss for Philadelphia, eight in a row, as they lose in overtime again, this time to Pittsburgh, 5-4. to four, And it's the same recurring theme for the Philadelphia Flyers, right? It's get a big lead, not be able to hold on to it. Uh, and last night uh, they had a 3-1 to one lead on Pittsburgh, only to cough it up in the third period, Hornquist and Rust. Uh, get goals to tie it. Uh, Raffle gets a goal to give Philadelphia the lead back, but then Gensel gets his second to tie it, and that came uh, with a minute and four seconds to go in regulation, and Crosby gets his tenth in overtime as they do earn a point, Philadelphia, but again, that young defense getting exposed a bit, and they blow multiple goal leads again as they fall in Pittsburgh. Uh, Winnipeg uh, ties for the most goals in a game this season. They had beaten Pittsburgh by scoring seven goals, scored seven against Minnesota, and they came back from 2 nothing down. So seven consecutive goals for the Winnipeg Jets from seven different players. And that's always a big deal when that happens in the National Hockey League. That shows you can spread the wealth. Um, Staylock ended up getting shelled in this one. They brought Dubnik in late. Um, very late in the game, or no, they didn't bring him in. They were thinking about doing it, but they, but uh, Bruce Boudreau had said before the game he wanted to be able to give Dubnik a rest. So uh, Stalock had to go out there and get shelled seven to two. Winnipeg rolls, and Chicago puts up a seven spot against Anaheim, a seven to three win over the Ducks. We've talked about the Ducks and their injuries, and Patrick Sharp uh, gets a goal. Um, DeBracket is, is 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 an interesting situation. He picks up the hat trick. There's so many good rookies in the NHL. I mean, he's second in goal scoring with 10 behind um, the kid in Vancouver, uh, Brock Besser. And you see what Keller's doing in Arizona, and you see what Brazel is doing over there in Brooklyn. It's just amazing how many young players are in this league. And, of course, the Devils have their young players with Heashier and Butcher and, um, and Brat, all of been able to contribute so boy it is one of the most difficult awards to give away this upcoming season is going to be uh the calder trophy for the rookie of the year uh we got a ton of games tonight i'll be at the rangers panthers game at madison square garden the canucks will play game five of their six game road trip in brooklyn against the islanders lightning trying to get back on track after a couple of losses will be in buffalo against the sabers flyers second of back-to-backs they'll take on a resurgent san jose shark team uh, Hurricanes and Blue Jackets, very important game in the Metropolitan Division. See if the Hurricanes Canes can take advantage of having to play the Blue Jackets, who are in the second of back-to-backs. 
Uh, Red Wings and Kings should be an interesting game. Blackhawks, they're playing the second of back-to-backs in Nashville against the Predators. Maple Leafs and Flames, that's one I'm looking forward to. Oilers and Coyotes, two struggling teams there, although the Coyotes have played very well over the last couple of weeks. And Stars and the Golden Knights. And listen, uh, the Golden Knights, 15-6-1. They're still in first place in the Pacific Division. It's just one of, I, I think, the biggest stories in the National Hockey League this year has been how the Vegas Golden Knights are in first place. And, and now that we're past the quarter pole, I mean, a legitimate chance of making the playoffs, which I think in this day and age for an expansion team is just an unbelievable story. Let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We'll start with Jordan. He says, hey, Don, watching the Hawks last night, and Kane doesn't take any hits and is a ver- very good at avoiding contact. Also, he doesn't seem to ever be really giving full effort. I know his job is to score goals, but will something like this help prolong his career? Well, I do think some guys do it so well that it looks like they are not giving it full effort. I, I always go to the baseball analogy with Robinson Cano with the Yankees that he just seemed like he wasn't giving it all, but he was just so smooth. So I, I think Kane gives effort. But I do think in this day and age, you don't necessarily have to worry about the physicality. The physicality's out of the game. He can avoid hits, and he'll be able to play a long time because of that, because of the tremendous speed that he has. But you know the, the the lack of contact in the National Hockey League now is just so so grossly different than it was even just ten years ago. Uh, I think Kane can play a long, long time, but I'm just not sure that the physicality of the sport is going to wear too many people down anymore. Uh, let's see. Jeff says, I always look forward to your podcast. Two episodes kept me company on a four hour drive during Turkey Day weekend. Now I watched. Um, the highlights of last two Ranger games, and in my view, they looked sloppy. What's your opinion on their recent play? Well, I thought they were really good against Detroit. I thought they were fantastic against Detroit. Uh, Carolina, that game was just ugly. They won the game 6-1, to one, but um, I think Darling was really the reason why the Rangers won by as much as they did. And Vancouver was just awful. I don't know whether it was because of the odd 2 o'clock start time uh, how good Vancouver is on the road. They're 8-4-1 and one away from Vancouver. Uh, but the Rangers, I thought, were very, very sloppy and very, very fortunate uh, to get uh, two points on Sunday. And they'll take on a Florida team coming off a win last night. You'll probably get James Reimer. I'm not sure if Luongo will make the starts back-to-back at uh, this stage of his career. But Florida's the kind of team, they played them in Florida earlier this year and had to win the game in overtime. So if they play sloppy again, Florida's just that, that's one of those games. Florida's like one of those teams that they do win occasionally at the Garden just because sometimes they take advantage of just maybe the crowd being out of it. It's not really that big of a rivalry. So if the Rangers don't mind their P's and Q's tonight, they can have their eight-game home winning streak snapped and their four-game winning streak overall. So yes, Jeff, they've been a little sloppy, especially on Sunday, but they have been able to make it work. Uh, James says, hey, Don, which teams look like buyers and sellers come trade deadline? Well, I think you're going to have a lot of buyers because there's going to be so many teams that are going to mathematically be alive by the time we get to the trade deadline in uh, late February, early March. Um, I'm not really sure when you take a look at the teams that are out of it. I mean, what's Edmonton going to do? Are they going to be out of it? They, they certainly would have some pieces that they might be able to trade away if they were to fall out of it. Uh, the Coyotes, not sure what they really have left on their roster that they could possibly trade. Maybe maybe a couple of guys here and there. Certainly nothing earth-shattering. Certainly nobody in goal. 
Um, so right now it's difficult to say who is completely out of it. Buffalo, Evander Kane is someone that hops to mind as, as a possible trade because of where Buffalo is right now. But there's just so many teams that I just think are in it right now. Uh, those are the three that kind of pop to mind. And even Edmonton, I still think, can get back into this thing. Speaking of the Coyotes, uh, Phoenix Jet, who's been a long-time listener to Game Misconduct. Hey, Don, love the show and long-time suffering Jet fan, but also have Coyote season tickets out here in Arizona. Do you see any chance to climb out of this abyss, or are they just doomed for relocation? Thanks. Well, let's go to the relocation situation first. All right? the, the league has committed itself really over the last decade of keeping hockey in Arizona. Now, could they move uh, the, the building and try to get it closer to, to Phoenix proper so it's not on the outskirts, which I think has been a major problem, having the arena in Glendale? It's one thing for the Cardinals to be out there where it's once a week, but to get people sometimes two, three times a week to go all the way out there from the Phoenix area, from the Scottsdale area, bit of a problem. But the league just seems so committed to keeping the franchise there, that I, I do think that they there there will be some st- stability, and I think that they will stay there long term. Can't guarantee it, but there has been growth, and I do think the team is. You're starting to see it now that, that it's coming together. That uh, Tocket has put together a, a system that they're starting to grasp now. Get Aranta healthy, and I think Arizona, maybe not the playoffs, but certainly playing much better than they did in the beginning of the season when they were searching for that first win. Matthew says, can the Devils win the Metropolitan Division? If I had to guess, Matthew, I'd say no. A couple of things bother me about the Devils. We talked about it before their youth. They also have trouble holding leads, right? You saw it on Saturday. They had a 3-1 lead in the third period against Detroit, blew it, but still managed to win in overtime. Those are games that are going to bite you late. I mean, those are games that are going to kill you when you're trying to win the division. And when you have Pittsburgh and when you have Washington and you have Columbus, teams that I think pound for pound are probably more experienced and better than New Jersey, that I think New Jersey probably will fall out of first place. Uh, They've almost fallen out of first place now, despite how well they've played. But I still think they can be a playoff team. But winning the division, I think, is probably going to be for the more experienced teams. Uh, David says, hey, Don, hypothetical question for you. Should Seattle get a team, where would the ideal spot for their AHL team be? Would they be better off in-state to grow the fan base in Everett, Tacoma, or Spokane, or maybe down south in Portland, Oregon? Well, Portland seems like a destination, too, although they do have some junior hockey there. But, you know, not knowing a lot about the area, David, but I, I, I think that it's death <laughs> when you see a minor league team trying to survive in the same area as the professional team. Philadelphia did it a long time with the Phantoms playing in the same building. Uh, Toronto's been able to make it work, and that's a hockey hotbed. But Washington's such a big state with a lot of old-time hockey from the Western Hockey League. So um, rather than have it leave the state, I think that you bring up a good point. You could probably move it to somewhere else. It's a big enough state where that team can still thrive, and then the NHL team in Seattle uh, can make it work. Uh, Frank says, what's your Mount Rushmore of hockey movies? His Slapshot Miracle, Slapshot 2, and D1 Mighty Ducks, unless Happy Gilmore counts. And I guess you can count Happy Gilmore. There's hockey aspects to that movie. I'm going to tell you something that is going to be probably frowned down upon and shocked. Never saw any of the Mighty Duck movies. And I'm a hockey guy. 
But the problem is, is that because of my age, it was kind of a kid's movie, and I wasn't a kid. Wouldn't that come out like 25 years ago? So I was already like 24, 23 years old. And I know Madonna was in the first one, I think. A couple of other NHL players never saw it, never cared to see it, will not see it. Um, so it's hard for me to say that should be on the Mount Rushmore. I know there's going to be a lot of younger audiences be like, oh, my God, I can't believe. But I just it was just not in my, on my radar. It just was not because of the age that I'm at and when that movie came out, it just wasn't there. Slapshot certainly has to be there. Miracle certainly has to be there. Um, Youngblood is a, a hockey movie that I would definitely put in there, which was a Patrick Swayze vehicle with Rob Lowe. I, I love Youngblood. I think that is a uh, outstanding movie. Uh, let me think about other hockey-related uh, movies, uh, probably a, a couple of good ones that should be in my head that aren't right now. But I, those would be the three. I guess you would have to put one of the, the probably the first Mighty Ducks movie just because of its significance to the hockey community. But for me, I wouldn't because I had never seen it. And there's just not enough hockey in Happy Gilmore. That's more of a golf movie, I think, than it is a hockey movie. You can't have a movie about two sports, and certainly that's more about golf than it's about hockey. Michael Keaton was in a hockey movie. I can't think of the name of it. Sometime in the late 80s. He played like a retired hockey player, so it was kind of had some hockey aspects to it. Um, Ice Castles, I wouldn't put up there because that's more of a figure skating movie than a hockey movie. Uh, give me some time to think about a, a fourth one for me. But Slapshot Miracle and Youngblood is uh, one that I would definitely put up there. Uh, Forever TH says, in your opinion, who's the best player to never win the Stanley Cup? I included that in the John Walton interview. Uh, has to be Alexander Ovechkin, right? I mean, this is a guy that's probably going to finish with 700 goals in his NHL career. He's going to go down as one of the four or five greatest players in the history of the sport. And as of right now, he's never been out of the second round. And that could change. Maybe he could be like John Elway and win, win a couple of cups, at the, a couple of championships at the end of his career. Hull went a long time without a cup and finally won in Detroit. Robitaille went a long time without a cup and finally won one in Detroit. That's the thing, is that if there was no salary cap, I could see Ovechkin in five years of like 37, 38, not winning a cup, go to a big market team and, and maybe have a chance to win it. If I had to guess, I would think... Ovechkin will have a cup before the end of his career, but will he do it in his prime? Will be he will be he be a major reason why they won it, or will be he a passenger at the end of his career just to win it? But to me, Ovechkin pops into mind as a guy. Uh, Paul Correa pops into my mind. See, back in the day when you had a six-team league, you were going to win cups, right? And even when you had the 12-team league and a 21-team league, if you were that good a player – you were going to win. Marcel Dion, I believe, never won a Stanley Cup. He'd have to be in that conversation. Eddie Jockerman never won a Stanley Cup. He'd have to be in that conversation. I'm sure I'm forgetting about a few people, but the one that pops into my mind is Alexander Ovechkin. Chris says, is it embarrassing that the Philadelphia Eagles have more wins, 10, the Flyers, 8? Does the losing streak in tonight's game against San Jose, does it end? Last night's loss was painful, but you heard it from E.J. Raddick yesterday. You've got a lot of young, you got four young defensemen. If you want to include Goss Despair as a young defenseman, what do you think young defensemen are going to do? They're going to blow leads. You know, uh, when you're a young team, especially young in very important positions, 
you are going to not hold on to leads. And it's not that embarrassing to blow a two-goal lead in Pittsburgh against the Penguins with that kind of firepower, but it's becoming too much of a habit for Philadelphia. You're starting to see the separation now with the rest of the division, so I certainly would be concerned. Uh, Stick Stick Gloves Blue Shirt says, is A.V. going to play Hank 70 games straight? He said it that the schedule has not been that bad. So Hank's on a bit of a roll here. The team's on a bit of a roll. Why mess with it? I don't think it's anything against Pavlik. I don't think he's overly taxing the 35-year-old Lundquist. Look at this week. They play tonight against Florida. They play Friday against Carolina. And they don't play again until the following Tuesday against Pittsburgh. So from from today until next Tuesday, they're playing three games. All right, they haven't played any back-to-backs in a while, so why not ride the schedule and get Hank into some of these games? Believe me, um, the schedule is going to change very soon. You're going to see a lot of um, you're going to see a tremendous amount of uh, road games coming up here, back-to-backs, three games in four nights. Pavlik is going to get his opportunity, but but Av said it. He's riding the hot hand and taking advantage of the schedule. Kevin says, hey, Don, I was at the Devils game last night, and they looked really flat and probably had their worst game of the season so far, even though the final was 3-2. Would Johansson help the lineup to score? Also, who is the most underrated Devil for me, John Madden? So you're going into history of the Devils. Well, I'll answer that one in a second. But, um, yeah, they were really flat last night. Johansson apparently skated a little bit more in the morning skate yesterday. So the hope is he's going to come back sooner than later. And sure, they acquired him to be a big-dime goal scorer. And with Paul Murray out of the lineup, certainly they're going to need Johansson to come back and be good. But I wouldn't worry too much about the performance yesterday. It was a little flat, and yet they came within seven minutes of stealing a point. But, you know, that's going to happen. John Madden was very underrated. I think, uh, you know, Bobby Holik, I don't know if you would consider him underrated. Devil fans really do appreciate uh, Bobby Holik. Uh, Sergey Breeland would be a guy who was on all three Stanley Cups. Never a star player, but someone that certainly uh, contributed to the franchise. Will never get his number retired, but was a major part of those championships. So those are some of the underrated Devils that kind of leap to mind for me. Uh, Yehuda says, is the East completely wide open for the taking? It certainly is. Um, Pittsburgh, I guess you would say, is the most talented just because they've won two straight Stanley Cups. But can you win a third? There hasn't been a team that won three straight Stanley Cups in the NHL since the Islanders won four straight. And you're going back to the early 80s. So it's been well over 30 years since something like that's happened in the league. 35 years, to be honest. So it, I just don't think it's possible. But could they come out of the East? Could they go to the Stanley Cup final and lose? Sure, they could do that. But I just wonder if all those games catch up with them. Washington certainly in the conversation, the way they're playing. Uh, maybe the Devils are a little bit too young. Rangers, they're kind of hanging around there. But the Lightning seem to be the clear-cut favorite. But as we talked about it with John, you know, the Lightning seem to be the best team in the Eastern Conference. And if they win the President's Trophy or finish number one, will they be able to handle that pressure? But the one thing, that, and I've said this before, that makes me hesitant to put the Lightning with the, that old Ottawa team or the what the Washington Capitals last couple of years where, where sometimes you succumb to the pressure of being the favorite. The Lightning have they won a Stanley Cup in 04. They went to a conference final in 2011. They went to a conference final in 2016. They went to the Stanley Cup final in 2015. I mean, this team has a history of performing very well in the playoffs. So um, that would scare me because they've got that unique combination. Now, Vasilevsky hasn't done it in the playoffs yet, so that would certainly be a question mark. But 
Tampa would probably be the odds-on favor, but would I be shocked if they didn't make it out of the Eastern Conference? Obviously not. Uh, Zachary says, hey, Don, going to be at the Rangers game tonight with my family. Uh, we'll all listen to you. would be awesome to meet you. He told me what section you're in. If you're ever going to a Ranger game, give me your section. I'll come by and try to say hello. Can't guarantee anything, but I do think, Zachary, I'm only doing the pre and post, so I think I'll be able to carve out a little time to say hello. Al says, Don, absolutely love the pod. What do you think of Dylan Strom? Or Strom, excuse me. Coyotes recall after being second in the AHL scoring and has similar junior numbers. How do you see uh, Strom fitting in the rest of the year? Well, the way that that situation is with the Coyotes, they're they're a young team, rebuilding team. So once he gets here, it'll all depend on how he plays. But I've heard nothing but good things about him. Of course, he's the brother of... uh, of the Strom that was with the New York Islanders that uh, had just recently got traded away uh, to Edmonton. Um, So I I wish him nothing but the best, and I think he can hang around for quite a while. Uh, Sam Diaz says, What kind of guy is Don LaGreca on Friday's game misconduct? He stated he would stop by my section uh, to wish me a happy birthday, even though he couldn't physically make it. He found time from the media row to give me a shout-out. He's a nice man. Well, I saw Sam. The way it was structured, the section that he was in was directly behind the bridge level, and I was calling the game on Sunday, so I didn't have any any downtime. And just for me to get off the bridge level, get to his section to physically shake his uh, hand was going to be difficult. So I waved to him from the bridge level, and we were actually close enough to speak uh, if we shouted, uh, but I wasn't able to get down there to say hello. So I apologize for that, Sam, but hopefully you had a great birthday and you know, your Rangers won, so I guess that's a pretty decent birthday uh, for you. So uh, congratulations on the birthday, and congratulations on the Rangers win. So we got a lot accomplished today. Finally got somebody on to talk about the Washington Capitals. And, and listening to John, there seems to be a little bit of concern voice for what's going to happen. Uh, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games, and the arrow seems to be pointing up. But still, uh, that window is beginning to close for the Capitals, and I did sense some concern with the with John around the Capitals of maybe they can go in flying under the radar, but maybe this is just a team that's just not good enough to make a run. We'll have to wait and see. And certainly the loss of Alsner and Schmidt have been a problem. So it was good to talk to John. It was good to talk to all you guys as well. Uh, thanks so much for giving us a couple of minutes here on Game Misconduct. You can always get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. That's the way that we communicate. So we've got a lot of games to go over tomorrow. And I want to hear from you, and we'll spend a lot of time talking about your tweets and talking about what's happening in the National Hockey League. So thanks so much for listening. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.